Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views on Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. First up, a reminder, we do have a vid chat tomorrow afternoon. That's going to be at its regular time. Believe it or not, there is not a prediction of stormy weather. And as far as I can tell, there's not going to be, like last time, any last-minute predictions of stormy weather. So we're good to go for the usual time. As always, I will be in there in the chat room a little early. Chances are we're going to start a little early, probably around 1.30 or so. But the vid chat is on. Uh, please remember to get your questions and comments in no later than 10 o'clock uh, this evening, U.S. Central Time, so that I can get them printed out and sorted and ready to go. So, we've got a few questions already submitted, so please don't forget to get your questions comments in there. Um, a lot of them uh, so far look like they're going to be on politics and history. So maybe that theme will continue. And speaking of politics and history, <laughs> there's been some interesting developments in uh, the United Soviet Socialist States war, proxy war in the Ukraine against Russia. Um, this is the recent capture of Dievka in the Donbass by Russian forces. This is prompting, according to the article that I'm going to be reading from, a long-term re-evaluation of the West's geostrategic approach to Russia. Um, I have quite a few comments and thoughts along these lines, but it's interesting to see that the Russians are coming around to predict more or less the same thing that I've been saying for many years, but we'll get into that. So I'm going to read a few paragraphs. This article is titled Karibko. This is on Zero Hedge. Uh, Andrei Karibko is the author of this article, and the title is Russia's capture of Avdiivka will reverberate across Europe and accelerate geostrategic shifts, is, <laughs> is the euphemism for what's really going on. So here we go, quote, Russia finally captured the Ukrainian fortress town of Avdiivka following a protracted battle that ended in Kiev's chaotic retreat and the abandonment of its wounded troops. Now, let me stop right there and let that one sink in. Militaries don't customarily abandon their wounded troops unless the situation is dire. Uh, and this is a, I think, probably a signal as well that the internal discipline of the Ukrainian military is beginning to, if not well on the past the way of breaking down with Ukrainian soldiers just, you know, saying, why are we doing this and surrendering to the Russians whenever they can. It's a very telling statement. Continuing. The timing took place as the Western elite met in Germany for this year's Munich Security Conference over the weekend, which conveniently enabled them to plan their next moves in this proxy war. No significant financial or military aid is expected, however, 
despite the Ukraine's newly clinched security pacts with Germany and France. Now, I'm skipping a couple paragraphs here. Russia already won the race of logistics in the war of attrition with NATO that Secretary General Stoltenberg declared almost exactly one year ago as proven by the counteroffensive's failure and the subsequent reversal of this conflict's dynamics, whereby the Ukraine is once again on the defensive. Former Commander-in-Chief Zaluzhny's replacement, Sersky, explicitly admitted this last week before the disastrous retreat from Adyevka, which is regarded as Kiev's last major fortress in the Donbass. The stage is now set for a forthcoming Russian offensive that could steamroll through the rest of this region in the best-case scenario from Moscow's perspective and the worst-case one from the West's. That's not to say that this will indeed happen because the so-called fog of war makes it impossible to accurately discern the Ukraine's full defensive capabilities behind the line of contact. But it's not without reason that the West is panicking and Zelensky decided to blame them for his latest defeat. Now, I'm skipping a couple of paragraphs and then I'm going to read you uh, five paragraphs from the end of this article and then give you my thoughts. The truth be told, that description was inaccurate since the line of contact continues gradually moving westward and the pace might speed up after Russia's capture of Adyevka. President Putin already signaled that he won't stop until his security requests are met through military or diplomatic means after recently regretting that he hadn't ordered the special operation to begin sooner and saying on Sunday after the fall of that Ukrainian fortress town that victory is a matter of life and death for Russia. It remains unclear when and on what terms the conflict will end, but the writing is on the wall and it clearly reads that Russia's security guarantee requests will be met to some extent or another, ergo why the West is now planning for a decades-long confrontation with Russia, per Stoltenberg's own words. Therein lies the significance of the geostrategic shift that was identified earlier in this analysis regarding Germany's role as the U.S.'s top lead-from-behind partner for containing Russia in Europe. In furtherance of that goal, NATO's continental-wide steadfast December 2024 drills, the largest since the end of the Cold War, will be aimed at optimizing the partial implementation of the military Schengen between Germany, Poland, and the Netherlands with... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. Wow, I don't know what happened there. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me start, start that paragraph again. It remains unclear when and on what terms the conflict will end. But the writing is on the wall, and it clearly reads that Russia's security guarantee requests will be met to some extent or another. Ergo, why the West is now planning for a decades-long confrontation with Russia, per Stoltenberg's own words. 
I'm terribly sorry, folks. I don't know what happened. Therein lies the significance of the geostrategic shift that was identified earlier in this analysis regarding Germany's role as the U.S.'s top lead-from-behind partner for containing Russia in Europe. <clears throat> in furtherance of that goal, NATO's continental-wide steadfast December 2024 drills, the largest since the end of the cold, old Cold War, will be aimed at optimizing the partial implementation of the military Schengen between Germany, Poland, and the Netherlands, which France is expected to join. The Baltics will also likely participate as well, given that they require support for building their so-called Baltic defense line, which could extend up to the Arctic Circle if Finland gets involved too, as expected. The revived Weimar Triangle comes into play since Germany requires French backing because Berlin can't realistically do all of this on its own, which in turn necessitated Poland's military subordination to its western neighbor via the above-mentioned logistics pact between them. A military corridor from France to Estonia which could reach Finland via Denmark and Sweden, the second of whom is a NATO aspirant and expected to join this new Schengen, is therefore taking shape before the world's eyes. Russia's capture of Adyevka will therefore reverberate across Europe by accelerating the implementation of those long-term containment plans, seeing as how NATO's proxy war on it through the Ukraine is obviously a lost cause after the fall of that former Soviet Republic's latest fortress town. It's this geostrategic dynamic that, observes, that observers should pay more attention to than anything else since the resumption of Germany's long-lost superpower trajectory is a development of global significance, unquote. Now, folks, I've been predicting for a long time that when you look at the geostrategic imperatives unfolding, number one, it's fairly clear that the deep state elites, the technocrats and so on in Swampington, D.C. in the United States regard the ending of the Cold War as a gigantic mistake. And they have wanted and sought a worthy adversary on the world stage to create another Cold War so that they can keep the machinery of empire through the military-industrial complex running smoothly. Excuse me, folks, i got to take another swig. My throat is very dry for some reason today. Now, in that effort, they have been more or less successful, depending on what you're looking at. But as this has occurred, I've also been arguing that other nations, particularly Japan, have been quietly pursuing a diplomacy in which the public purpose of the diplomacy is to mouth and voice support for the United States and to reassure everybody that they are indeed staunch allies of the United States. I think given the fact that you've seen such instability in American politics since basically since 9-11 with an accelerating uh, trend that really reached the, the zenith under Trump and then the aftermath of, of the Trump administration, you've seen increasingly wild, unpredictable behavior 
from the United States. In other words, we have become a an unstable ally and an unstable player on the world stage. And given the recent NATO exercises in which American weapon systems demonstrably failed, not just once, but twice in the case of the British launch of the Trident uh, nuclear missiles from one of their ballistic missile submarines, given that, then it becomes apparent that the so-called technological lead of the American military is also dwindling. In that situation, what do the other powers of the world do? Well, they begin to try to beef up their own military, and they seek alliances among themselves to stiffen their alliances and relationships among themselves. That's what I think is going on in Europe right now. That's what's behind all of this talk about the resumption of German military might that we really haven't seen on that scale that they're talking about since World War II. After all, Germany, as everybody knows, punches way above its weight class, and it literally took the combined efforts of three other world powers to put Germany down during World War II. So it's not a development that I'm... I'm looking happily at, although I think any comparison between modern Germany and Germany back then is just kind of nuts, <laughs> but in some respects. The problem with this analysis, and I think it's true as far as it goes, but the problem with this analysis is that under the sanctions regime, Germany has been particularly hard hit and has been the European power most heavily hit by deindustrialization. Germany's industrial plant, as everyone knows, has been fairly sizable, for, especially for a country its size. Like I say, it punches way above its weight class. But as heavy industry flees Germany, the problem is you cannot run and you cannot equip and maintain, much less supply, a modern military machine without heavy industry. This is what the West has learned much to its chagrin throughout this proxy war with, with Russia in the Ukraine. The Russians are merrily producing all the armaments and munitions that they need, whereas the West has run through its stockpiles and does not have the production capacity to supply the Ukrainian military and keep its own military stocks and stockpiles up. That's the problem. You cannot have modern military power without an industrial plant on your own soil to back it up. So my prediction is, is if Europe is serious about supporting this recent effort to become the leader from behind in Washington's scheme for a new Cold War, if they're serious about it, or even if they're serious about striking out more independently and being more responsible for their own defense, they have got to keep that industry inside of Germany and inside of Europe. So in other words, if what we're watching 
is going to be the course that Europe takes. Watch for seismic shifts in Europe's economic policy. That's crucial. That's crucial. There's got, there have got to be shifts in their policy that to keep their heavy industry in Europe, number one. And number two, the other thing that Europe needs to pay attention to and will know if all of this analysis is correct or not, by the way that Europe tr to, tries to develop its own secure energy sources. And here's the bad news. They've either got Russia they can turn to or the Middle East that they can turn to. In some cases to Africa, Libya comes to mind, or this country. So if Europe is serious, I would be looking very closely right now at Africa. And the problem there, as we've seen, is recent African developments against their former colonial overlords, particularly in France. Now, Germany does have an advantage of all the European major powers. Germany has an advantage in that its colonial empire ended at the end of World War I. And for that matter, Germany's colonial soldier, soldiers that fought for the Kaiser during World War I were rather better off and better treated than a lot of the other colonial outposts of Europe. So whether or not Germany would be able to pursue an independent energy policy in Africa that would be to the liking of African nations remains to be seen. My guess is probably not, because Germany's part of that whole European cesspool. But, on the other hand, it does not have quite the checkered history that Britain, Italy, and, and France do on that continent. So this is going to be very interesting over the long term. If Europe is serious, then we've got to watch for policies to, to keep the heavy industry in Europe, and particularly in Germany, and to bring the heavy industry back that has already fled. So far, it's all talk, folks. But uh, we'll know over the next year or two whether the talk has teeth. So that's my analysis of what's going on. My thanks to EG for sharing that article. It was very good that you spotted that and shared it with us. And we'll see everybody tomorrow in the vid chat. Don't forget, get your question, pardon me, questions and comments in by 10 o'clock tonight. And we'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye and God bless.